Experiencing a house fire can be one of the most devastating events in anyone's life. The suddenness of the fire, the helplessness one feels while watching their home and all their possessions go up in flames. In the aftermath of the fire, one has to deal with losing their home, possessions, and even more devastating, a loved one who was unable to escape. Although house fires can reach extreme temperatures, they cannot completely disintegrate a human body. There is always something left behind in the ash. That was, until the disappearance of the Sauter children. Five of George Sauter's children went missing on the night of December 24, 1945, from their home in Fayetteville, West Virginia. Despite extensive searches and investigations, no trace of the children was ever found, and their whereabouts remain unknown. George Sauter was born in Italy in 1895. At 13, he came to the United States with his older brother. Even though his brother returned home soon after, George decided to stay and build a new life. While he never divulged the reasons for leaving his homeland, some speculate that it may have been due to possible involvement with the mafia. George eventually secured a position as a driver in West Virginia and started his own successful trucking company. He also found love and support from Jenny Cipriani, who shared a similar background and became his wife. The Sauters moved into a two-story timber house located two miles north of Fayetteville, which had many other Italian immigrants. They had ten children, with the first being born in 1923. George was known to be a vocal and opinionated man who held strong beliefs and was not afraid to express them. He was very vocal about opposing the Italian dictator Benito Mussolini and wasn't afraid to share his strong views, often leading to arguments and strained relationships. In October of 1945, a life insurance salesman visited George's home. Despite being turned away by George, the salesman issued a chilling warning. He threatened that George's home would go up in smoke and that his children would be destroyed. The threat left George feeling fearful for his family's safety and his home security. Shortly after, another visitor pointed out that a pair of fuse boxes in the back could cause a fire someday. This puzzled George because he had had the house rewired when the electric stove was installed and the local electric company said that it was safe. The warning of the impending threat from the unwelcome visitors came to fruition a few years later, on Christmas Eve in 1945. The Sauter family had a party. Marion, the oldest sister, worked at the dime store in town and bought several new toys for her younger sisters, Martha, Jenny, and Betty. At 10 p.m., while going to bed, Jenny permitted her younger children to stay up a little longer. However, she added that they needed to ensure their older brothers stayed awake and to bring their cows to the barn. George and his two oldest boys, John and George Jr., who had spent the day working with their dad, were already fast asleep. Jenny was woken up at 12.30 a.m. by the telephone ringing. She went downstairs to answer it and found a woman on the line whose voice she didn't recognize. The woman asked for someone Jenny didn't know with laughter and clinking glasses in the background. 
Jenny told the caller she'd reached the wrong number before hanging up. However, Jenny realized the lights were still on and the curtains were wide open. Marion had passed out in the living room on the couch, and Jenny assumed that the two other kids had stayed up late and gone back upstairs. She quickly closed the curtains, turned off the light, and returned to bed. At 1 a.m., Jenny jolted awake to the sound of a sharp bang and a rolling noise, which seemed to have originated from the roof of her house. Although she initially dismissed it as a mere inconvenience, she woke up again 30 minutes later, this time to the strong smell of smoke. Upon further investigation, she found that the room George had been using as his office was engulfed in flames, with a fire seemingly originating from around the telephone line and the fuse box. She quickly woke up George, and he rushed to wake up the two older sons to help the rest. Amidst the raging fire, the parents, Marion, Sylvia, John, and George Jr. made their way out of the burning house. In their panic, they screamed for the children upstairs, but there was no answer. The staircase leading to the upper floor was already engulfed in flames, making it impossible for them to reach the children. The chaos and confusion were overwhelming, and they could only pray that their children would find a way out of the inferno. In a panic, Jenny rushed to her neighbor's house to call for help from the fire department. However, when she tried to dial the number, she was met with silence as the phone was out of service. George frantically tried to climb the walls to save the children. In his attempt to break open a window, he lost his balance and fell, cutting his arm in the process. He then tried to use a ladder to reach the attic, but to his dismay, it was nowhere to be found not even in its usual resting spot against the house. George attempted to extinguish the fire using a water barrel. However, it was frozen solid. He then tried to bring his business trucks to the house to climb into the attic window. Unfortunately, neither of the trucks would start, even though they had worked perfectly the day before. The six solders who had escaped watched helplessly as their house burned down and collapsed. Due to the ongoing war, the fire department faced a staff shortage. They had to rely on individual firefighters to call each other for assistance in a fire emergency. Unfortunately, as a result, fire continued to burn unchecked for seven hours before the fire department finally arrived at the scene to put it out. Despite their best efforts, the firefighters couldn't salvage much from the charred remains of the solder's basement. Jenny's brother was among the crew who combed through the ashes, but all they found was a pile of rubble. By 10 a.m., F.J. Morris, the fire chief, delivered the devastating news to the solders. No bones or other remains had been discovered among the debris. Despite the lack of evidence, Morris held the belief that the five children who remained missing had perished. After the incident, Morris had instructed George to leave the site untouched so that the state's fire marshal could conduct a more thorough investigation. However, 
After four days, the sight of it became unbearable for George and his wife. In their grief, they decided to bulldoze the site to convert it into a memorial garden for the children who were lost. Five days after the fire, on December 30th, death certificates were issued for the five lost children. After they had started rebuilding their lives, the Sauter family began questioning the official findings of the fire that destroyed their home. After a thorough search, they stumbled upon the very same ladder that had gone missing from the side of the house on the night of the fire. It was at the bottom of an embankment 75 feet from the house. A repairman who came to fix the Sauter's phone told them that their phone line was not burned during the fire as they had initially thought. Instead, someone deliberately cut the line by climbing up the 14-foot pole. A man was arrested after neighbors reported seeing him steal from the property around the time of the fire. During questioning, he confessed to the theft and revealed that he had cut the phone line, mistaking it for a power line. However, he denied any involvement in the fire. Despite a thorough investigation, no record or information that could help identify the suspect has ever been found. As time went on, Jenny had trouble accepting Morris's belief that all traces of the children's bodies had been entirely burned in the fire. Before they bulldozed it, many of the household appliances had been found, still recognizable in the ash and fragments of the tin roof. She couldn't accept that a fire that wasn't hot enough to melt tin could leave no traces of her children. She even took it upon herself to burn small piles of animal bones to see if they would be turned into ash. None ever were. An employee of a local crematorium she contacted told her that human bones remain even after bodies are burned at 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit for two hours far hotter than the house fire ever could have been, and that something should have been remaining for at least one of the five children. As the spring season drew near, the Sodders planted flowers in the very spot where their house had once stood before it was bulldozed over. However, in early 1946, some developments gave them hope and reinforced their belief that the children might be alive somewhere. Evidence that came to light indicates that the fire resulted from arson. When the snow melted away, Jenny found an intriguing object in the bush nearby. It was small, hard, dark green, and had a rubber ball-like texture. George examined the object closely and suggested that it resembled a pineapple bomb hand grenade or some other device used in combat. According to additional statements, Some people reported having seen the Sauter children who disappeared. One woman watching the fire from the road said that she had seen some of them peering out from a passing car while the house was burning. Another woman at a diner said that she had served them breakfast the day after the fire. The Sauters then hired a detective to find their missing children. The detective learned of rumors that, despite his report to the Sodders that no remains had been found in the ashes, Fire Chief Morris had found a heart, which he later packed into a metal box and secretly buried. 
He told his minister that it was to save the Sodders from further trauma and agreed to show where he'd buried the box. The local coroner found it to be a fresh beef liver that had never been exposed to the fire. In August of 1949, a new search through the dirt at the house site was conducted. Several small fragments of bones were found during excavation. After examination, they were identified as human vertebrae, all from the same person and showed no sign of exposure to flame. The vertebrae that were found belonged to a person who died at the age of around 18 years old. This discovery is significant because the oldest of the Sauter children who went missing was just 14 at the time of their disappearance. In 1950, two hearings were held by West Virginia legislature, but due to lack of solid evidence, the governor and state police told the Sauters that the case was hopeless and closed it at the state level. After the tragic disappearance of their children, the Sodders continued to search relentlessly for any clues of their whereabouts, offering rewards and putting up billboards while following every lead they could find. In a desperate search for answers, George embarked on a journey from Charleston to Houston. His sole purpose was to find the people who had claimed to have seen his children and gather any information that they could provide. All of them, unfortunately, proved to be untrue. Today, we are still searching for answers as to what happened to the missing five children. In just one night, the flames had engulfed every piece of evidence of their lives. Aside from memories, it was as if they had never even existed. Thank you so much for joining me on Hidden Staircase. I'm Kristen Seavey, and with each new episode, we'll delve into a different story, explore its mysteries, and uncover its secrets. Stay tuned for more exciting hidden tales in the coming days. I look forward to sharing more with you next time.